Welcome in to another episode of the Bullpen Blues. My name is Kevin Dixon, joined by our good buddy David Esser. David, it happened. It happened, bro. Kevin, it it double happened. It double uh, happened. Yeah. It double happened. Uh, yeah. I mean, what a what a week, and not only just just for this team and this off season, but I mean, Philly's franchise history. They they surpassed the tax. They they're proving they want to win. I mean, Dave Dombrowski. I mean, I have to start the show off properly and apologize to, to yeah. Big Dave because I don't think he, he listens. Had it in him. He yeah. listens to the show apparently. Yeah, I mean, he'd sign both guys we wanted. So, um, I mean, just just right off the bat, obviously super exciting. A lot a lot of hype around this team. I'm getting very similar kind of 2019 vibes where where everyone's just itching and waiting for opening day for the first time. Schwarber and Cassianos are introduced in the lineup. Um, Kevin, I, I want to hear your initial thoughts on the Schwarber signing because we haven't talked about that yet on this podcast. And then no more than 48 hours, what was the following reaction to landing Castellanos? Well, so I've been saying it for months. And, and even when the lockout ended, I fully expected Kyle Schwarber to be a Philadelphia Philly. Like that was the one guy where I was like, all right, I'm fairly confident he's going to end up in Philadelphia. Uh, if you've read the tea leaves, even prior to the lockout, you know any interviews that were done with the organization. Obviously, they can't say definitively what they're going to do, but everything kind of led on to Schwarber was their guy. So I felt very confident saying that he was going to be the guy. I think he fits fantastic, David. Like this team needed a leadoff hitter. Like seriously needed a leadoff hitter. It, it, how bad was it last year at times where? You know, you got Vaduba Herrera or Gene Segura trying to hit leadoff, and they just couldn't get on base. They're just free swingers. They're up there. They're not working the count. You, know, you got a guy in Schwarber who, you know, he played 41 games in Boston, but hit on base percentage, David, of 435. So he's on base 43.5% of the time in Boston. Uh, as a whole last year, it was at 37, so 374. Like, David, this is a guy that not only matches the baseball, like he works the count and he gets on base. You know, when you have these these guys behind them, like my ideal lineup, I'll have Gene Segura right behind them. So if you can get Schwarber on, you know, we how many times did we see it last year when things were going right in that leadoff spot where Segura would shoot a ball through the right side and you have first and third? You know, like, like the, there's going to be so many more opportunities for that to happen now. Um, so just in terms of what he brings to the offense, I think Schwarber's a guy who easily is going to hit 30 home runs. Um, probably more, but I'm gonna I'm gonna set the bar at 30. I think he's gonna finish with 30. I think he's gonna get on base a ton. He's gonna push 100 runs. I think he's gonna potentially have the chance to score 100 runs with the guys in the lineup behind him. Um, I just think the fit is so seamless. And when you look around the sport, some of the other contracts these these guys have gotten, four years, 79 million dollars is really not bad, David. Especially now that the Phillies have exceeded the tax, it really doesn't mean as much. But when you look at the contract itself, there's really no negative, you know, tone to it. You know, that's one thing we were concerned about was it was going to be this massive deal. We're on the back end of it. We're going to be, you know, just drowning in it. But I believe he gets the opportunity to be productive throughout the whole deal. You know, would, would you agree with that? Yeah, Kevin. I mean, it was it was a fantastic contract. I mean, yeah. less than $20 million for Kyle Schwarber, who was one of the three premier bats on the market this offseason. I think you, you know, as more articles come out, as, as, as more interviews are done, uh, 
I you start to hear that Philly was Schwarber's first choice. You know, I, I think I think we all understood that Schwarber was the Phillies' first guy. They wanted him for his elite power. They wanted him for his, for his ability to get on base at a high percentage. But it, it sounds like Kyle Schwarber wanted to be a Philadelphia Philly. Here, the way he talks about the organization, the way he talks about playing with Bryce Harper, the way he talks about a guy like Dave Dombrowski. Like, this was always something he wanted to get done. And it probably would have gotten done a lot sooner if it wasn't for the lockout. So you kind of put all those factors together. A lot of power. He's a lefty, a lead on base percentage. He's a winner. He's been to a World Series. Kevin, he's a won a World Series. Huge postseason hits. Um, and then you throw in the fact that he wanted to be in Philadelphia at this stage of his career. I mean, like, how much more perfect of an addition could you get? Yeah, and you hear the term thrown around a lot, like, you know, a baseball rat. Like, this guy's just a baseball player. And, and the Phillies really haven't had that. I mean, obviously, they've had Harper, you know, for all the – all the negativity that we throw Hoskins way, which at times is probably unwarranted. You know, I, I can admit that, but you know, he's a major clubhouse presence. But other than those two guys, Real Muto, they really need somebody who has experience, who's been there, who's won. And you're right. I mean, if you look back over the last five, six years, Kyle Schwarber has four or five monumental postseason moments where you can just think of, you know, off the top of your head. One specifically is that grand slam he hit. Or was it off Garrett Cole, the Grand Slam? The Grand Slam might have been against Houston. But he had a huge homer against, against Cole. He had a yep. Grand Slam against Houston in, in this previous playoff. <laughs> Look, don't get me wrong. And, you know, as, we, as we're going to transition here into Castellanos as well and what he brings and what they both can bring to the team together, um, I do want to mention there's going to be times where Schwarber goes through cold stretches because that's the kind of player that he is. So that's why I think it's so important that he wasn't the only addition the Phillies made. Because there's definitely going to be times where we go two weeks and you know, he's hitting 155. You know, he can't, you know, hit the hit, he can't hit the ball at all. Luckily, his own base skill should be able to kind of salvage some of the some of those moments. Hopefully they're more few and far between than, than what is possible because look, like if we're just being realistic, we're we're trying to be super optimistic. And I and I Personally, I can certainly appreciate that, as you know, and as our listeners know. But at the same time, there's certainly going to be moments where Schwarber disappears and all he's really contributing is getting on base. I, I'm, I'm open enough to admitting that. And I think that's where the Phillies edition of Nick Castellanos, who hit over 300 last year, is a perennial just contact hitter. Excuse me as my dog coughs up a bone, I think, underneath. It kind of it takes the pressure off a guy like Schwarber. Who at first he was their only big addition, and don't get me wrong, like I said, he's going to be fantastic. But Castellanos is the kind of guy where I think you're going to avoid those more two to three week cold spells where you can't hit, you know, water if you fell out of a boat. That's because Castellanos is more of just a natural offensive hitter. Where Schwarber is the guy who's going to work walks, and he's going to drive the drive the baseball all over the field. Yeah, no, you, I love the way you put it right there. Um... I think, you know, the Cassiano signing, Kevin, is where things got really interesting because the Schwarber deal got done. And you start seeing reports from Zalecki, Salisbury, uh, you know, some of the athletic guys that the Phils are done, right? This was their big move. They locked it in. They're going to go look at some, you know, some. They were going to go up to the number, but not over it. Exactly. You know, what, what they've done, the entire history of the Phillies franchise. So we had no reason not to believe that. And then, uh, then you start hearing some whispers, right? You start hearing some some inklings that 
the Phils are still interested in Nick Castellanos. And we're sitting there going, well, that doesn't make any sense because if yep. they sign Nick Castellanos, they're going over the tax. Yep. And it starts heating up some more. And funny enough, me and Kevin, we were actually on the mic together. Uh, we were playing some MLB The Show. I think it was Friday yep. night. Um, it was Friday correct. night. I had just we're gotten sitting- home from work. Yeah. We were literally talking about Castellanos being a Philly when it could happen. To set the table for for the, for a David scenario here, yeah, yeah, we're, we're we're sitting there on the mic, we're talking about like, dang, it'd be so cool. And then we look at our Twitter, and you know, Twitter's going crazy, and we see that Castellanos had had posted a picture of him on the steps of the art museum in Philadelphia, and we're sitting there going like, he's either trolling with us or he's he just signed a contract. And then probably no more than two minutes later, uh, you know, we see the tweets from Heyman and and Rosenthal and all them that that he, he did, in fact, sign a five-year deal with the Phillies, uh, right around the same number as Schwarber, $20 million, which is, in my opinion, Crazy. a steal. Yeah, for, for, for the type of player that he is. I mean, you look at his numbers the past few seasons, specifically last season, uh, this is a guy who could find himself in the MVP conversation next year, you know, batting behind Bryce Harper. Um, just, just an awesome player, awesome clubhouse guy. He's super fiery, super intense. He's going to fit in Philadelphia perfectly. He's the type of guy... You know, in, in those ugly late August games down in Miami where no one wants to be there, he's going to want to be there. And he's going to be yelling at people like, hey, we got to win these baseball games. He's going to be bat flipping. He's going to be starting fights. Um, it's it's the exact type of bat they needed and it's the exact type of personality they needed. Um, you know, almost almost as important smashing over the tax shows that not only that Middleton's ready to win, but that Dave Dombrowski has that type of influence, has that type of power to not only get to – huge signings done in the matter of a week, right? Like, he was he was on this quick. Yeah, they um, happened moved fast. Yeah, but more importantly, he has the influence to get Middleton to spend money on this baseball team, which has been, at least in my opinion, something that's been holding the organization back the couple of years, uh, the last couple of years, just because we've all known that the only way to, to kind of fix the situation they're in, kind of, you know, with, with, with the weak farm system, um, is, is to continue to spend money. So now we're doing it, and now you look at a lineup that runs six deep, a pitching staff that runs five deep, a bullpen that, you know, we're still not totally sure about, but there's, there's some guys in there. Um, but yeah, just super exciting. Love the Castellano signing, obviously love the Schwarber signing. Obviously um, it's just a matter of, you know, how many home runs are they going to hit this year? Yeah. I mean, David, you look at it, the way their lineup set up right now, they had four guys who were on a 40 or more home run pace in over 162 games last year in Harper, Hoskins, Castellanos and Schwarber. Schwarber's hit 30-plus thir- three times, putting a, a career-high 38 in 2019. Apologize again. My, if anyone, you know, if you're watching along here on YouTube, you can see my scenery behind me has changed. Getting plumbing work done at my house, so having to pod at my mother's house today. So bear with me. We got the dog wilding out behind me. She's fired up about the fills. You know, she's in there playing with her toys. Rightfully so. But you got Schwarber, career high 38 in 2019. David, he hit 32 homers in 113 games last year. Like, that's nothing to sneeze at. Do I think he's going to do that again? Probably not. But at the same time, I think he's going to hit 30 plus. You know, I don't know if he'll get the 40. He's going to get a ton of at bats, though. Um, I think there's going to be a lot of situations where it's one nothing fills in the first inning, you know, after the first hitter, because he's going to have the opportunity to hit a lot of leadoff homers. and then don't get me wrong, David. This it's not a perfect team. They're still flawed. Um, but they're in such a better position 
than where they were, you know, a week and a half ago. And we were talking about this the night they signed Castellanos after it happened. You know, if you're ranking out the tiers in the National League, you probably got the Dodgers and the Braves deserve to be in that top tier because they've proven it. You know, until until otherwise, they've proven they deserve to be there. And then you probably have the Phillies, Brewers, Mets, all in the same little jumble in that second tier. You know, how would how would you map it out, David, if you're looking at the National League? Yeah, I, I think it's a really fun exercise. Um, you know, kind of looking at where do they stack up. Obviously, the NL East is going to be a bit of a gauntlet this year with the Braves looking like they're going to be really, really good again. The Mets having the highest payroll in the sport. And now the Phillies is one of the best lineups. But 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 you're right. Look, you got the Dodgers and the Braves at the top. You got to give the Braves that respect. Even after losing Freddie Freeman, the Dodgers are, are rostering a goddamn all-star lineup these days. It's ridiculous, man. It's the greatest lineup I've I've seen. Yeah, it's silly how how much talent they have. But after that, you know, you look around baseball. The Brewers. I always felt the Phillies could have beat the Brewers in a playoff series last year. Still think so. Um, they they always played well against the Brewers the regular season. You look at the Mets. Look, I know their payroll's high, but they have to prove that they, they need to prove themselves. They got to prove that they're a different ball club this year. Um, you know, so I think the Phillies are right there with them. You look at a team like the Reds. They've tore it down. They're tanking. Their best player now plays for the Phillies. So you know, I feel like I feel like Philadelphia's got a better ball club than them these days. And then you know, I would I would certainly hope so. I would hope so. Um, you know, the NL West. You got the Giants. You got the Padres. I'm not too sold on the Giants. I'm really not. You know, I felt last year was kind of fluky. Um, I don't think they're going to be in that position again. They've lost a lot of talent this offseason. Chris Bryant, gone. Kevin Gaussman, gone. Uh, they brought in uh, Rodon. That's, that's that's a nice little signing. I don't think it's, it's enough to kind of put them over the hump. Um, and then the Padres. Look, Padres got a lot of star power. They mm-hmm. haven't added anyone significant this offseason. And their best player just underwent wrist surgery. So I don't know. Look, I understand the concerns with the defense. I understand the concerns with the bullpen. But at, at, at the very least, Kevin, the Phillies are always going to be able to to hit with these teams. Like, they're going to put up runs. And I'm old school. I always prefer pitching to offense. I'd much rather see a complete game shutout for my pitcher than a game that's 10-8. to 8. But, I mean, if the Phillies are – if they're down 5 nothing in the second inning, the game's not over. It's yeah. not because there's too much – there's too much firepower. And then vice versa, if the Phillies get up 5 nothing early and we get into the team's bullpen and they're not using their top relievers because it's, it's you know, the third game of, of the series and everybody's tired, the game is over in that context because the Phillies, they put up too much offense and they're going to continue to score. So to me, it, it's certainly unorthodox kind of how they built this roster. But you look around the NL, like, I don't really see anyone that they can't match with from a hitting perspective outside of probably the Dodgers and potentially the Braves. Yeah, um, just to touch on your Giants mention, I don't think they're going to win 100 plus games again. They're going to be a competitive team, but you're right. Like, so many things went their way last year. Yeah, this this idea that they're like the next Tampa Bay Rays, I'm not buying it. I'm just not. I mean, it's certainly possible, possible, Dave. But I also am like, it's kind of like the Mets, and like, it's kind of unfair because they did do it last year, but it came out of nowhere, like so significantly different than what their projections were last year. I kind of need to see it again because there were so many times where they got clutch hits late in the game, which, hey, I'm not faulting them for that at all. Like, that's a big part of it. But I need to see them do it again. Uh, I still think they'll they'll compete for a playoff spot. Don't get me wrong, but there's just no way I could see them fighting for the NL West crown. I'm not sold on the fraud raise at all. 
uh, I really, really think they're not very good. Like, uh, they have Tatis and Machado. You know, I'm not really sold on anyone else in their lineup. Kevin, they got Luke Voigt now. You better yeah, watch out. They got Luke Voigt. Yeah, yo, yeah, huge, huge move. Uh, I think I'd almost rather have Hosmer, you know. <laughs> I guess they still do have Hosmer, and you can DH them now, but still, like, not sold on them. Um, the Central, you know, I think the Cardinals are, are a fair argument, but Flaherty's having shoulder issues. Uh, they're better than the Reds. They're better than the Cubs. Uh, the Brewers, I think, are very similar to the Phillies. They're just built the complete opposite. They have pitching, not not the same amount of bats. Oh, whoa, 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 Kevin. They got Andrew McCutcheon. They, huh. they Actually, have yeah, the Phillies are above the Brewers. Now that you mentioned <laughs> that, because I, I forgot that. Yeah. So they got that loser out there in Milwaukee, um, who's never won anything. I do want to mention that? Never won a single. I don't think he's won a playoff series, David. Just saying. Uh, and I do want to mention Francisco Rojas, who we had on the show. Saw him tweet now. Now the now. The Phillies will compete for that final playoff spot. I think they were competing for that final playoff spot without Castellanos. So I think the Phillies have made a significant leap. I, I would say if they're not in the playoffs, it's a nightmare scenario. Because I, I think their pitching is better than people are leading on because I think they have a good rotation. Do they need some depth? Yes. I think they're probably still going to look to add something else. I think their bullpen just needs to be middle of the road, Dave. If they can get that bullpen into the middle of in the in the teens, you know, 15, 16, 17, you, know, you have some guys emerge would be huge. And I, I'll be honest with you, their defense is not going to be good, but I don't think it's going to be as awful and dreadful and so important as people are making it out to be. It's it's almost as if now that's the new thing. Yeah, you know, there's always something with Philly fans. That, that is there to pull us down, you know, to make things not as good as they are. I don't think the defense is going to be as disastrous of an issue as, as it's being led on. I mean, the freaking Dodgers play Max Muncy at second base, David. Like, like the Phillies aren't the only team that are going to have these guys in just ridiculous positions on the diamond. That's a, it's a great segue point because let, let's, let's talk about the defense um, because it's certainly – the the main sticking point when you look at how this lineup is formulated, and I, Kevin, I, I have to disagree with you. I do think the defense is going to be bad. Like I think it's probably oh, I, gonna be, like I think it's going to be bad. It's, it's definitely going to be bad. Terrible. Yeah, um, for sure. But here's 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 my point, Kevin. The defense was terrible last year. It, it, it was terrible. Um, yeah. it, was, it was. I think was it the worst in baseball? I mean, you're making my point. This is the point yeah. I was making. Is I know that they're going to be bad. I just don't think it's going to be as detrimental as people are making it out to be. Yeah. And, like, the defense was terrible last year, and it really hurt guys like Aaron Nola, Kyle Gibson, um, you know, some of the bullpen pieces. Hector Nearest was not helped by the defense last year at all. But I think where where it gets interesting is that the, the defense was terrible last year, and they still managed to finish over 500. They were still in the mix for that final playoff spot down to the last series of the season. Now, granted, they got some historically good performances from Zach Wheeler, Ranger Suarez, and Bryce Harper, which, you know, they may or may not get again here in 2022. But I, I think where it where it gets interesting is, is they looked at the roster, and I, I think they kind of decided, look, we can't fix this defense this year. It's just not going to happen. 
Didi Gregor is still under contract. Gene Segura is still under contract. Too. You know, it's debatable if he's a plus defensive player or not. They've already had a position change. I don't, think, I don't think he's a major negative. He's not a major negative at all. But, like, they've already had – they've kind of burned the we're going to move a shortstop to second base card. They've already tried that once. Like, still got Gene Segura. You still got Reese Hoskins. You still got Alec Bohm. You still have Bryce Harper <clears throat> starting to do, uh, decline defensively. They weren't going to be able to get a center fielder. Like, the idea that they could overhaul their lineup without absolutely <clears throat> ruining it of any power um, and make it good defensively, it just wasn't going to happen. Like, you could add Trevor Story at shortstop. That's great. The defense is still going to be terrible around them. It's one guy. So I think they looked at the team and they said, hey, we can't fix this defense. But what we can do is we can go get two of the best hitters on the market and figure it out. Um, you know, Andrew McCutcheon out in left field, like, going from him to Schwarber or from him to Castellanos, it's it's a complete net neutral. They're all terrible at defense. It doesn't really matter. Obviously, you'd like to see Alec Bohm bounce back a little bit at third base and be usable there. You'd like to see Didi or Bryson Stott be usable at shortstop. You'd like to see Reese Hoskins be serviceable at first base, although it's never going to happen. Um, you know, you'd like to see a guy like Matt Beerling grab that center field job and be a plus player out there. But for the most part, the defense, I don't think it's going to be any different than what it was last year. So the idea that that's what's going to hold them back when it really – it certainly was an issue last year, but it's not why they missed the playoffs in my opinion. They missed the playoffs last year because the offense down the stretch was not good enough. Yep. Because the bullpen down the stretch was not good enough. They, they had Ian Kennedy closing baseball games. Um, so I think they yeah. looked and they said, you know, what's the biggest issue? The biggest issue is they weren't scoring enough runs outside of Bryce Harper, and, and they weren't able to close games. What they do? They signed Corey Kniebel who looked darn good in his first spring training. Such 96, Dave. Yeah, yeah he was such a 96. Um, they signed Corey Kniebel, and they signed two out of the three biggest bats on the market. Is it going to work? I don't know. Like, I hope it is, obviously. I think it's going to work. But I agree with you where I don't think – like, you don't sign Aldrelton Simmons over a Castellanos because you got to improve the defense. Like, that's not, yeah. that's not reasonable. That's not realistic. If, if you were able to get these two types of bats – you go do it, and you figure out everything else from there. No, I, I totally agree. And, and just to highlight, David, as you mentioned, they won 82 ball games last year. I want to highlight some of the areas that I believe were the biggest issues, you know, more so than the defense. All right, so I'm going to run them down. I'm going to total them all up. Uh, well, not all, but you're going to get the point I'm trying to make. Vince Velasquez made 17 starts, David. Matt Moore made 13. Chase Anderson made nine. That's 39 starts between the three. It's pretty bad. That's pretty bad, David. They won 82 games with that. Uh, Brandon Kinsler appeared in 29 games. My guy, EDLS, and Yaldelo De Los Santos appeared in 26. David Hale appeared in 17. J.D. Hammer appeared in 20 games, David. Like, yeah, the defense is an issue, and, and uh, again, I just kind of worded it differently, uh, but the point you made is the point I was trying to get to, is their defense wasn't good last year, and I don't believe it was their downfall. Um, so, like, like, just think about that, David. Anderson, Moore, and Velasquez made nearly 40 starts for you. Like, that's a quarter of your games. That's, that's pretty bad. You know, I, I think their rotation is going to have the opportunity to be much better this year. Praying that it can stay healthy. We're going to get a full season of Ranger Suarez. And I think a thing that's getting overlooked, and look, he's not the guy from 2018, 2017, where he was dominant. 
Um, and I know we have some different opinions on it, but I know you're also not out on the guy as much as you are other guys in the bullpen. But I think Brad Hand's going to be a really big addition because it finally gives the Phillies a, a reliable left-handed arm to go to it out of the pen. Like, yeah, they have Jose Alvarado who can't throw strikes. Like, he just can't throw strikes, Dave. You know, he's either on or he's off. You don't really know what you're going to get from him. I would fully expect Brad Hand to be, you know, mid to low threes ERA and just be a reliable, you know, left-handed option out of the bullpen in a division that, yeah, they just lost Freddie Freeman, but there's still good left-handed bats all over the division. Um, so, you know, it's really something to to take into consideration and try not to overlook because, let's face it, man, they had Alvarado last year, freaking Adam Morgan in 2019, you know, Bailey Falter, who we'll see what he is. He's still a young guy, you know. They really haven't had a good left-handed reliever since Jake Diekman, and that was in the mid-2010s. Uh, so, like, I just think that's something that is going to be proved to be more useful than, than we're kind of leading on. You know, when you get to the, to the summer months and you need some big outs, you know, you, you need a left-handed arm to come in and, and try to get some big outs for you. I, I think that he has the opportunity to be the guy, and I, and I think that's a move that's going to be overlooked by Phillies faithful. Yeah, and I'm not as optimistic on the hand and the familiar signings as, as maybe you are, but I'll certainly agree with you. A veteran lefty in the bullpen was something they, they desperately needed this offseason. And well, I think I was, last year, Dave, and they let him go. They better not make the same mistake, dude. Our guy, uh, Tony, Tony Watson. Tony Watson, yeah, yeah. That's our <laughs> yeah. guy, Tony Watson. Him, him and uh, Jose Alvarez, they should have never left him, uh, let him go. Well, okay, okay, okay. I take back what I said going back to mid-2010s. Completely overlooked Alvarez. Yeah. Good left-handed arm. Yeah, he was solid. Um, yes. Not as good as I think some people think he is, but he's solid. I would agree. I, he, yeah. They probably should have resigned him, though. Probably. Especially for yeah. what he got in San Francisco. He got nothing. Um, yeah. But I think kind of a, a good point is is defense and, and bad pitching go hand in hand. And I think, yes, the Phillies' defense is not good. It was bad last year. You know, you had Didi and Bo making a whole lot of mistakes on that left side of the infield. It's why Freddie Gallivis and Ronald Torres were playing down the stretch. Uh, but I also think it's worth noting that you look, you look at the good teams around baseball. Like, when they turn it over to the bullpen in the 7th, 8th, ninth inning, they're not bringing in guys who are allowing balls to be smoked into the gap, if, if that makes sense, right? They're bringing in guys who, like, keep the ball out of play. Keep it out of play. Weak contact, pop-ups, little ground balls, you know, fly-outs. None of this – you know, I think one of the issues is you bring in a Brandon Kinsler in the eighth inning, and he's he's given up exit velocities of 100 mile per hour plus off the bat. Like that's hard for anyone to field. Nevertheless, a, a, a not as mobile Didi Gregorius at shortstop, or a not particularly uh, speed inclined Alec Bohm at third base. So I think the hope is with Hand, Familia, and Kniebel is that these guys are going to let less balls into play more strikeouts, and especially with hand, more weak contact, so that we're not testing our defense late in games. And hopefully that kind of has a, a trickle-down effect of, of making the defense not as big of an issue late in games, where you don't have to start subbing guys out, and you kind of just trust your bullpen um, to, to get the job done. You know, especially with Knievel, he's got such wicked strikeout stuff. Like, just don't let the ball in play, and we're chilling. And there, there is no issue with the defense. And I think that's kind of – the modern day way of, of navigating around a bad defense, because you're right. You look at a team like the Dodgers, they have some guys. I mean, Trey Turner, uh, when they had, yeah, they had his, well, he stunk at second. Yeah, he was not great, but like, he's yeah. going to be back at shortstop. He's gonna be a really good defender. Cody Bellinger, the fantastic defender out in the outfield, but like 
you know, Justin Turner, he's, he's getting up there in age, you know, yep. Max Muncy, they're moving him around at second base. Uh, you know, Albert Pujols was playing some first base at times. Like, it's not like it was gold glovers all around the diamond. And they certainly were benefited from a bullpen that ran, you know, legitimately eight guys deep at times. It yep. was just flamethrower after flamethrower. Um, similar ordeal in Tampa Bay where, like, some of the guys they have out there, they're, they're stiffs. They're not exactly the best of defenders. But because their bullpen is so darn uh, electric, it didn't really matter. No, I, I fully agree. And, and just to uh... – you mentioned Kinsler as, as I did as well. Let's hope that none of these guys have dads who are just going to rip people apart on Twitter. Oh, man, they, I totally forgot. Because they talk, you know, because they mentioned how poorly their son's playing. I mean, look, I'm sure Brandon's a good dude. I'm sure his dad's a good dude. It was just getting emotional. But he was being such a dickhead to a bunch of Phillies fans who were being rightfully critical of his son. I mean, look, dude, like, you stunk. Like, let's just call it what it is. You weren't good. So hopefully these guys, uh, you know, hopefully we don't have to deal with that for one. Um, and it really is crazy when you look back at some of the arms that they've fielded in their pen the last couple of years, David. I, I would be I would be on board with them adding another piece if, if, you know, if something works out that way. But I also do think that the Phillies clearly have a type, as you mentioned. They want guys with high velocity. They want guys who – it's going to be boom or bust, you know, like it seems like half of their bullpen, it's either going to be really good or really bad. Uh, but I think there's something to say for Caleb, Caleb Cotham and, and what they have going on here. Like I think a guy like Connor Brogdon or, or Sam Coonrod are, are great examples of the organization being able to help improve guys, which is something we haven't seen in the recent years. So the leaps those guys made last year were huge. Um, I don't have the numbers in front of me. I know they've been tweeted out a few times. <clears throat> Brogdon had that one really bad outing early in the year where he gave up four or five runs in like a third of an inning. If you take that outing out, I think he was sub three all year. Like, so I do think the bullpen has the potential to be much better. Now, much better would be depending on how you look at it. I don't think this is a top 10 bullpen, David. I think it's more between 15 to 20 is the ceiling of it. And, Hopefully their bats are good enough to kind of outweigh the the other deficiencies on the roster. Because as I mentioned, they're certainly not a flawless team, but they're just in such a better spot now, especially when you add in the extra playoff spot in the National League. I, I certainly think it's a nightmare scenario, and Joe Girardi is out if they don't make the postseason. Yeah, I mean, you don't you don't go over the tax unless you're confident the, yes. the roster you have on the field is good enough to – to not only make the playoffs, but Kevin make you know win some playoff games. Well, um, well now you have the three game series in mm -hmm. the in the opening rounds of the playoffs. Philly's rotation is going to be an issue for other teams, David. And we said it last year if they were able to sneak in, you know, you're able to run Wheeler, Nola, Ranger Suarez, Eflin. Like you have your your pick of the poison with three and four. Maybe maybe Gibson has a huge year. You know, we'll have to see how it plays out. Yeah, you know, I agree. I don't know about all that. I think he's more likely to be in the fours. But with that said, I still think he'll win a lot of games if, he's, if he hangs in the fours with the way this offense is. But you get into that short series, I think the Phillies' rotation causes issues for other ball clubs. Yeah. No, it's funny. You look at kind of how the roster is. It's somewhat built for October in the sense they got a lot of starting pitching and they got a lot of, uh, you know, home runs, which when you get down to the postseason, those – 
those solo home runs, they, they're worth so much more, right? Like it's, that can be the difference between winning a game and losing a game, you know, advancing the next round and going home, you know, the solo home runs in, in, in May and then, you know, in June, they only matter so much. But when you get in October, like every at bat is crucial. Um, Kevin, they just, they just have to get there. They just have to keep it together for a full 162 with the expanded postseason win. What? 87 games, 88 games. If that, yeah. maybe less. Um, I think you can push 90 with this team, man. Yeah, I mean, if you push 90, if you're winning 90 games, you're definitely in the postseason. They're going to play, what, 19 against Washington? Yeah. They, Washington's a team they've had their number. So. Yeah, well, I mean, they do got Nelson Cruz, so you got to watch out. You know? Yeah, I mean, he'll probably hit some big homers against the Phils. It certainly helps Soto, yeah. you know, not to get too off topic, but him, Cruz batting behind Soto will help him a lot. Um, but they've they've – the money's out there, right? They've spent the money. They've committed the big bucks. They got the two big bats. They got the flashy closer in Knievel. They're paying him a lot of money. Um, it's just about putting it all together. You know, you need bounce back years from a few guys. You need Nola to be better. You need Eflin to stay healthy. You need Gibson to be a little bit better. Um, you need Reese Hoskins to stay healthy and be a little bit better. You need JT, my guy, to be a little bit better. You need that center field position to get uh, figured out. I just saw Matt Gelb tweeted out that Odubel Herrera is getting an MRI. So he probably won't be ready for opening day. Eighty-five percent of Phillies fans are thrilled about that, but in reality, it's not great. (laughs) No, it's not great news because it's going to be a veering Hazley platoon to start the season unless they bring somebody in. Which you know, I'm rooting for Adam Hazley, but he hasn't played baseball in quite some time. Um, But yeah, he's a dark horse too, man. You know, they it was a quote from Girardi. They did not mention Scott Kingery. They mentioned Moniac before Kingery. So I don't, I don't know if they're they're thinking about Kingery out there. I would love to see. I have no interest in seeing Moniac. He said he said Moniac probably won't get much run. It sounds like I, it's going to be Hazley. I have no interest in seeing Moniac. I'd much rather see Hazley. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we won't get too much into it. It's such a controversial topic. And, I mean, I understand what happened. Not great. But it's not good that Odubel's already dealing with something. Uh, when you look at all the other moves – bringing him back at what they did to play center field. Like, David, he's a serviceable center fielder. He's going to be your ninth best player. That's not the worst thing, considering there was times the last couple of years where he was their second, third best player. Um, so they definitely need him to get healthy. Uh, but kind of just got to hope the positives that they've been able to bring in outweigh the negatives. Because we're – it's a long year, man. We're going to go through it. There's going to be times where we're like, you know, I'm certainly going to have to be talking to you off the ledge when they're 14 and 13. And I'm like, ah, it's early. Yeah, just stay in the race. Because it's just bound to happen. You just got to hope that they can avoid those type of lulls for extended periods of time. But there's going to be times where they lose three or four in a row. Like, it's just baseball. It's just kind of how it is. You need to string together three or four in a row, though, as well, to offset that, which I think they have the opportunity to do so. Yeah, I mean, and that's that's kind of that's the hope you bring in professionals like Schwarber and Castellanos to to avoid those extended periods where they were just lifeless, right? They were just kind of hard to watch, not fun. Yeah. Where it was just wait until the next Bryce Harper at bat because nobody else wanted to hit the baseball. Um, you know, Castellanos and Schwarber—they've been the best players on their own respective teams at time, and now they're coming to an organization where they're expected to be the uh, the second and third best hitters in the lineup. So I think it's it's good for everybody. It's just a matter of, you know, can they can they out hit the other teams? Can they out can they out pitch the other teams, specifically in the rotation on any given day? I think they can. I'm optimistic. Um, well, there's there's definitely some holes, center field, bullpen, rotational depth. 
that can, you know, you can kind of flesh those out when you get a little bit closer to the deadline. Yeah. I mean, the biggest thing too, David, is not everyone can be the Dodgers. Like they're the Dodgers for a reason. Like every team has holes. It's not going to be a situation where you're going to be a flawless roster. You're not going to have any holes. Like, I don't think it's the worst thing that center field and and we still have question marks in the bullpen. I, st- I do think it's going to be a little bit better, but like we've been in positions the last few years, but they've had way more holes to fill. They filled a lot of them. Um, and and you mentioned Real Muto and Hoskins. I think a thing that's getting greatly overlooked, and we've mentioned it here on the show, is how much of a positive impact that these moves are going to have on those two. Because you don't have to hit Real Muto cleanup anymore, David, which is something we've been preaching. Get him out of the cleanup spot. Excuse me. Sorry about that. Uh, get him out of the cleanup spot. You know, he can. we can get him set up sixth. I think he'll thrive in that sixth hole, David. Um, Reese Hoskins, another guy that I think has the opportunity to take, not necessarily take a huge leap, but have some pressure relieved off of him. You know, we talked about it yesterday, and, and you jokingly were like, oh, we got to re-stand. You know, a big fan of Reese now. But, look, you know, if he does what he did last year as their number five hitter, David, and he's able to stay healthy, but he had an 864 OPS. Like, if they can get that out of him again, that's, like, something that's really being overlooked. Like, they're going to be able to survive his hot and cold streaks now because you're not relying on him. Jesus Christ. Excuse me. Not going to be relying on him to be the main run contributor behind Bryce Harper. Like, it's going to be massive. You know, it's something that is getting greatly overlooked, and I think it's going to have a, a major positive impact on this team. Yeah, well, funny enough, I, I gave you a hard time about the Reese thing, but you you did in, inspire me. I wrote a story about how I think this is the year Reese is going to put it all together. You look at his career splits, he is infinitely better batting in the fifth and the sixth hole. I don't know which spot they have him in going into the season. They might flip him and JT around in those two spots, but that's where he's most comfortable. A little bit less pressure, a uh, little bit more potential for guys to be on base in front of him. Not not the big bat behind uh, Reese Hoskins and or behind Bryce Harper and not the guy being asked to work walks in front of Bryce Harper. He just gets to do his own thing down in the fifth hole, down in the sixth hole, hit some home runs. Driving some runs, hit some doubles, just just hit the baseball hard. Do what you do. Take some pitches. Don't have to be super aggressive. You know, play your style of baseball. Um, so I actually agree. I think this this could be the year where Reese Hoskins puts it all together, potentially making himself a lot of money on his next contract, whether that's with the Phillies or with another team. Um, th- this is the year. It's all set up for him. I mean, he's what the team's fourth, fifth best hitter right now, kind of depending how you view JT. Yeah. It, it, the pressure's minimal. Yeah, and I mean, he doesn't even need to take another significant leap. Like, if he's just a guy who hits 30 homers, you know, OPS in the mid-800s, you know, works counts, but, is you know, he's been more aggressive the last year or so. Um, but if he can just be the guy who, you know, crushes the ball like he's been able to do, you know, he's not going to av- avoid these prolonged stretches where he's just abysmal. But at the same time, if he, you know, hopefully with the pressure being off him, we're not going to be like, need Reese, need Reese Hoskins to do this, need him to do that. It's not necessarily going to have to be him. Hopefully he's able to just relax in the box, man, and just go out there. And look, we know his ceiling is high in the sense of he could be a very good offensive player, David. Like he could be a 
one of the better sluggers, at least in the National League East. He probably is one of the better sluggers in the East, but just in general, he has the opportunity to be a more well-known name, just a, a bigger piece of the puzzle. And it kind of sounds funny to say it this way, but he has the opportunity to be a much larger piece of the puzzle now in a lesser role, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, you made a good point. Not every lineup in baseball is superstars all across the board. You can't field nine all-stars every single game. You do need these guys who are just really, really good. Um, you know, I think Gene Segura is a, a solid example. Where he's just he's just a good player. He's not great. He's not going to make the all-star game. He's not going to be winning silver sluggers. He's probably never going to win a gold glove. But, like, he's just a solid dude, right? You can comfortably put him in the two-hole. You pay him a decent amount of money. He's going to give you stretches where he's – one of the best hitters in baseball, and he's going to give you stretches where it's kind of painful to watch. But over the course of a full 162-game season, he's just good. And that's where Reese needs to be. Just needs to be consistently good. Mid-800s OPS. Don't be terrible at first base. Give us some pop. 30 homers, you know, 80 to 100 RBIs. And, like, if that's your fifth, six-hole hitter, you're in a really, really good spot. Yeah, I do want to say Segura should have been an all-star last year. Should he, though? He was hitting 322. He definitely should have. <laughs> yeah, well, it wasn't. Um, in terms of, like, the remainder know. of the year, his numbers at the end of the year, probably not. But where he was at the break, I think he definitely should have been also. Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe. Um, all right, Kevin, we're, we're rolling up on 45 minutes. Um, any other final takes on Schwarber, Castellanos, or just kind of the, the state of the team moving into an opening day here? Honestly, no. Um, we're gonna, there's going to be a lot more for us to talk about moving forward. It is nice to sit here, David, and have a upbeat, positive episode. We're looking at things in a positive light. It's a nice change of pace. Uh, so I'm just trying to enjoy it while we have it. You know, I, I cannot wait until opening weekend. Um, let's face it, man. They should sweep Oakland, if we're being honest. Oakland is going to just be awful. I would be disappointed if they won two out of three. At the same time, though, you know, my mentality, just if you win every series, you'll be in great shape. They sh- they should be. They got to sweep. They I'll say it. They got to sweep. They have to. Or I'm going to be upset. <laughs> they should be able to stomp those guys. So, I don't know, man. I'm just, you know, we got another game today at one. Um, it's kind of like the ball's rolling now, not to, you know, no pun intended, but the ball's rolling in the sense of, like, they're playing every day now in spring. It's going to be opening day before you know it. And then just as we did last year, free no, David, we're going to be at the all-star break. Like, man, I can't believe we're this far into the season already. So I'm just trying to take it one day at a time. You know, for a minute there, it looked like we might not get baseball for a long time. So, you know, you know, just in terms of just being a baseball fan, I'm just very excited to get, to get going. I, I really can't wait for opening weekend, not even just for the Phillies, but just for the sport as a whole. I, th- I think, it's going to be a good year. Yeah, no, I agree. It's funny. A couple of weeks ago, we were we were just desperate for baseball back, and now here we are with Castellanos and Schwarber on the Phillies. So yeah. it's certainly, certainly been a, a complete one eighty. How, how things can change, man. Yeah, now, and, and we can finally put to rest that John Middleton doesn't want to win, and he's cheap. Um, I think that might be a, a topic for another episode because uh, <laughs> I don't know if we totally agree there, but uh, yeah, happy. Happy Schwarber and Castellanos are here. Happy that baseball is back. Happy that opening day is around the corner. Um, if you're not already subscribed to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, 
go check those out. The link to our Twitter page and our Facebook page are down in the descriptions below. And please do check out our YouTube channel. We've been uh, revamping that, posting videos back on there. I believe our first video back was our highest viewed video yet on YouTube. So huge thank you to everyone in that regards. We will have more giveaways coming soon, especially yep. with opening day around the corner, especially with some uh, some new some new jersey names potentially to throw out there to, to give away. So uh, definitely make sure you're following us on Twitter and Facebook because that's where we're going to promote our uh, our giveaways. Um, with that said, we are the Bullpen Blues Podcast, and we will talk to you on a couple of days. Go Phils.